This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today, I continue my conversation with my friend Stephen Splone from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. We continue to dig into some things that the church can do to respond to racism and to racial strife. I hope that you'll enjoy this time. I hope you'll be challenged and changed by the time you'll spend listening to me and Stephen today. And if someone says, you know what, no, because I'm telling you right now, um, the incident that happened in Central Park where the woman intentionally hurt her dog while being recorded in order to try to get a black man arrested, which if we want to talk about that whole situation, we can. But I want you to see how the response to her was more um, proficient and swift because of her actions towards the animal and not towards not her actions and her threats towards the man. And that just proves the depraved state of our nation that an animal can get more care, uh, more concern, and can get more focus for industrial chains in less than a generation. I'm talking 15 years. The dog care industry has literally consumed our nation. And I want you to think about biblically how many verses talk about loving dogs and how much of the Bible talks about loving your neighbor? Mm. And, and, you know, one, one thing um, I, I would, uh, we, we see currently, especially secular is, uh, in, in the secular world, there, there's a real desire. You don't talk about the pet thing, a uh, real desire, especially in the secular world, uh, where you see a lot of money filtering its way into animal shelters and, and things of that nature. And I, I think some of that's because it's politically safe. Right. Nobody, nobody can can twist, um, you know, if, if the governor, you know, leaves gives fifty thousand dollars to to, you know, the Humane Society. There's there's not a political thing that can be said for or against that. You know, it's 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 safe. Whereas, uh, man, you, you take a risk sometimes if you stand up and speak out on racial injustice. I mean, it goes back to this. Um, dogs can't speak English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have a voice. I mean, a dog can poop in your house and pee on your leg. Um, they can bark in your face, but they have no reasoning skills and you can't even replicate with them. They're a different species. Mm-hmm. Well, in our nation, people thought that Africans were of a different species. I mean, it was actually taught in some of our own historical Southern Baptist churches that the curse of Ham uh, was was the black people's plight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've heard that. I mean, that's not... That's Kushites not, were yeah. forever called to be slaves, yet they ignored the fact that Moses married an Ethiopian woman. And there are people who believe that Moses was white, which he was not. So if we have the whole issue of color in the Bible, which... If again, you just get hermeneutical, hermeneutical about it real fast, uh, <laughs> you really need to understand that there's a problem with our perspective of whiteness in the Bible. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just a hard topic to get to, but it really is because there are people who think that Jesus was white. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's not hard. It's just common sense. We just don't, we, we tend to, that's, that's just, <laughs> I, I would assume that you grew up in, in imagining that Santa Claus was black. <laughs> I, I'm, I I'm guessing, know. right? We huh? talk about Santa Claus, but that's a different. I know, topic. but I mean, I'm just saying, like, like we we tend to we tend to imagine that, and I, I'm just taking that child's perspective that that Jesus looks like me, right? That's 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 one of the big big sins in all of our lives. I tend to believe that 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 that, that I am the, the 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 perfect goal, whereas you know I'm actually aiming for something other than me. I, I, rather than everything look like me, Jesus wouldn't like me. He's completely other than me. I've got to die to me so that I can look like him. You know. Well, even more so, just looking at the geographical location of Israel, it's in the Middle East. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, looked, he looked more like a Middle Eastern than he did any Anglo. And you don't see, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the and you don't, and again, race is not biblical. When you see race in the Bible, Paul's talking about running. Yeah. And so race is a construct that was systematically created for the point of oppression and yet it's just been absorbed and it made as normal yeah. and even now in our newer translations NASB ESV which I'm sad to say have now taken certain scriptures and replaced the word people tribes nations with the word race mm -hmm. and that's not okay that's literally going against the revelation 22 point of not changing the bible because race isn't there and if you try to put it in there you're trying to culturally condition the text Mm -hmm. um, versus taking the context and, and applying it to our context um, today. And so I think it's even more important, Craig, that we, we also understand that this way of life and this difference in these activities of the church today and what the church needs to do um, is get back to the basics, actually understand the Bible. And I know people always like to say this is a discipleship issue. Okay, well, yes, people don't know the Bible. People don't really understand the scriptures and what it means because if they did um then they wouldn't do what they've done there wouldn't be such a grandiose uh love of idolatry um in this nation as it is for both sports money um and entertainment so uh, you know one of the responses i believe first is to actually listen to people be in relationship with people but also to speak out because speaking out makes a difference um, if people in the community actually were to say, hey, we we value people of color, don't protest a protest, right? Like, I think the part that hurts me the most too, Craig, is when, you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement protest group came out, um, what you saw, especially from white evangelicals, was all lives matter. And I'm just, and, and I mean, the part that hurts me the most is that instead of listening and hearing why someone would try to tell you that someone who is black matters um, wasn't to say that no one else matters. It's saying, hey, you need to understand that my life is equally as valuable. Nowhere in my heart do I believe your life is any less valuable than mine, Craig. Nowhere. Yep. And, and, you know, you're the only person that I know of I ever heard say it this way. Um, you, you said the Black Lives Matter movement. Of course, you know, we saw it get in some places co-opted politically, which is unfortunate. Um, but you, you, you've, you've said it in a way that I've not heard anybody else say. You said what, what Black Lives Matter was, at least to you, was, was to, that we need to hear it this way. Black Lives Matter too. Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter as well. Not Black Lives Matter only, but Black Lives still matter as much as everybody else. And that, 
that those three letters T O O man that trend that that really transformed the way that I viewed that at least the, the beginnings of that movement, right? In, in some corners, it's become something different, but the beginnings of that and that, that idea, it, I, I just hadn't thought of it that way until I heard you say it that way. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's where it begins. Yeah. And the reason why you were able to hear it is because you're willing to listen to me because of our pre-existing relationship. And the real problem with the majority of not just, you know, people in this work, in this life, in our denomination, but just people in America uh, in general, the majority of Americans do not have a real relationship with a person of color. And when I mean real relationship, it's longstanding. Like they don't go home and when they're at home for the holidays, uh, see a person of color, their parents or grandparents. They have to actually hear and were trained and taught racism uh, and systematic acceptance of racism. And so they don't speak out about it. I mean, think about it. The woman on the Central Park video threatened him to call the police and say that he was attacking her. Now, Craig, if it was you standing there and you were saying it, would she say, I'm going to call the police on you? Of course not. Because you'd be like, they're not going to do anything to me. I've done nothing wrong. And you would feel justified in saying that, right? The thing that blew my mind with that video was that she, she knows she's on video and she's still saying all that. I, I could she feels emboldened by support by being supported by a system that's in her favor. That's the thing that people need to really see as an African American. You're talking about now we're living in a system that we are at the inferior position in because it's built against us. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. Look at the facts. People always want to say, look at the facts. Okay, cool. Don't ever tell me that the system is equal between us because I've yet to see a white woman be shot and killed on national TV. I've never seen a white woman's body in the street after being shot by a police officer or chased down by a a, a truck full of men. I've never seen that. I haven't. And it's not on video anywhere. I haven't seen a police officer put his knee on a white woman's throat and have her die while being under arrest. I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And so don't say that the system is equal because it's not. And in nowhere in America is a black man going to walk up to a white woman and say, I'm calling the police on you and him be able to fake it. And they even, even respect his phone call. Mm -hmm. Stephen, I, I want to, to kind of move toward a uh, sort of some practical things um, because I I, I, uh, I never I never remember to set a timer when I begin recording, so I'm not totally sure how long we've been going. <laughs> no, that's fine. So um, it it has been said. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to close with hopefully just two more questions. It's been said that that the you know that that the eleven o'clock hour is is the most segregated hour in in all of American culture. You know, on Sunday mornings. Um, how can we see uh, more racial diversity within our churches? Your church will never be any more diverse than your dinner table. Oh, wow. That's a good word. If you're not willing to have someone break bread with you in your home, to have coffee with them, to have lunch with them, to simply just take a walk with them, to spend time with them outside of the place of worship, then how in the world are you ever going to get to the place where they can actually worship where you are? Mm. 
it's insane to think that you would bring someone into a hostile environment and say, now be comfortable and worship to what music makes me feel comfortable or my heart cry language or the music that I have chosen for you to sit here and get adjusted to. That is the worst case scenario to tell someone of color, no, come here and then I can start to try and accept you. Forget all your suspicions of me. Forget all the things that my people have done. Forget all the things that you've experienced your whole life, but come here and and now endure the crazy statements that people will make and all the thoughts that we have against you and your whole people come and be a token here so we can make our numbers look good and we can feel we can feel better about what we've done versus taking time to do some one-on-one relationship uh, investment and get to know someone personally and now that person can go speak to their own people and say hey you know what this person right here this craig he cares about me and I don't know about anyone else, but I know Craig cares about me. And guess what, Craig? If someone were to ever come threaten me or someone would ever come and grab me or come question my character after they had left my body in the street, I believe, Craig, you would stand up for me and you would say, hey, Stephen was not that. That was not him. And you clearly didn't know him and you're lying about him. And you would be moved to respond because you knew me. Well, every time I see a person of color whose body's left in the street, I see myself. I see my family members. I see my friends. I see my own son. And it's depressing because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, anyone else in America, they care as much about that person as they care about me. So practical steps is to step into personal relationship with people right where you are and see them see them right where they are and not just see them, honor them with words of endearment. Just say hello. Don't try to push them into a sanctuary, push them into, push yourself into a relationship, be willing to cross the bridge to their side. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, and, and I'm, I, I just, I, I want to say that, that some, some of you who are hearing this, um, some, some, and, and honestly, most of my listeners are, are white. Um, some of the things that you're saying is, is going to be difficult for, for, for white folks to hear. Right. Because, um, you know, there's, there's this immediate knee jerk reaction to, ah, oh, that's not true. Or, that's not me. And, and I, I think it's important for everybody to hear that even if that's not you, like even if what, what Steven Splawn just described when you, when you said what, what has been done, what these people have done to me, even if Craig Thompson's never done that. Right. Um, and, and I don't, I, I, I I still am am a part of of a, a a race a group of people that have at some point caused you personally to feel that way, and and certainly caused your parents and your grandparents to feel that way. You know we we have these. My, my wife works in in home health care and hospice, and she's she's obviously white, um, but uh, but she talks about the 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 sometimes suspicion that comes when she will walk into an african american home to 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 work with a family on hospice mm. and 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 i just i love her perspective she said why wouldn't they be suspicious of me she mm. said i'm walking into a home with an an 80 year old person who lived through desegregation mm-hmm who mm-hmm. spent the first half of their life drinking from different water fountains and, and, and being system, systemically mm-hmm. um, you know, sinned against by mm-hmm. white people. 
And, and here I come in as, as a white social worker with, uh, you know, a white nurse. And I say, well, y'all just trust me. Everything will be fine. She said, mm-hmm. but why should they when so much of their life, she said, even if I didn't do it, so much of their life has been lived in fear of how that white woman, as you said, that white woman might ruin their life. Right. Right. And, and so I just, I'm not trying to speak your words. I'm just saying like for, for, for white people that, that can sometimes be hard to hear what you said. It's, it's, it's not even comfortable for me to hear it, but just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean there's not some, some real truth in that. I just, I just think that's important. Um, and you said something very important too, Craig, just now is the discomfort of the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. The conversation has to be had intra-racially too. We can't just have the race talk when a brother's in the room. Okay? <laughs> yeah. uh, it has to be where white people sit with white people and have the talk. Because guess what? Um, today, you still have white people calling other white people in lovers. Um, and you still have white people calling other white people um, jungle fever, um, you know, mon- monkey humper. And, and I still hear those things today. And I hear friends of mine who uh, call me to either be on their podcast <laughs> or to speak at their church, they'll call me back and say, man, I had a church member today tell me that they're, they're quitting uh, or they're leaving our church, they're quitting leadership because I'll let you come. And I said, what does that make you feel? He says, I am furious. I said, I never knew that they felt that way. I said, well, you've never talked about people of color before. You've never uh, endorsed injustice before. And, and because they felt safe mm. in your atmosphere, no one ever called it out, mm. um, then they just kept living their life the same. Mm. And then and one pastor asked me, he said, Stephen, do you think that person's not saved? I said, bro, that's between them and the Lord. I mm. can't speak on anyone's salvation. I can't even speak on yours. I would believe you're saved by what you're doing, but God, God's the judge, not me. Mm. I said, the problem is they've never had their thoughts challenged or questioned. And what they saw was me as the enemy mm-hmm. versus hearing that I love Jesus and I'm there to share the gospel and see the kingdom advance, just like every other person of God called by God to do. All right. So up to this point, we've basically talked about how we can all get along and, and we should all be the same, like what the similarities we share. Okay. Um, but for me to acknowledge that you and I have different cultural preferences, does that make me a racist? Um, let me say it this way. If you assume that we have different cultural preferences, that is a problem. Okay. And I don't think it's so much as quote unquote racist as it is just lazy. Here, here, here's the reality. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being transparent, right? Um, when someone assumes that I like football or that I played football, that's dumb. I mean, I'm big, I'm tall, I'm athletically gifted, I work out, I'm in shape, but don't walk up to me and assume that I play for the Panthers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because you're uh, a big black guy. How many times does someone walk up to you and say, hey man, what, what position you play? Well, who you play for, Craig? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times that happened? I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, I, I've been given free meals because someone thought I was a sports player. They swarping down that I played for <laughs> a sports team. And, I, and I, they walk up and pay for my meal and walk away. They never asked me a question. And I was just like, that was weird. 
But it's interesting. Uh, people are always assuming that I'm great in athletics, but they never assume that I'm educated. Okay. But let, 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 let me let me come back to my that that's that's that that wasn't where I was going. But you you corrected one thing for me. Um, so so what I want what I want to come back to is can you and I appreciate cultural differences in one another without being racist? So in other words, I I have no idea what your your taste in music is because um, we've never talked about it. But uh, what 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 let's let's assume it's country and western just for fun. Um, yep. um, you know, and let's assume that that mine is 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 heavy metal. Um, can, can I appreciate the fact that like that's your culture or let's just, let's just go to the racial stereotype. Let's assume that yours is hip hop, right? Because mm-hmm. and let's assume that mine's grunge because I'm a nineties guy, right? I, I mean, <laughs> when I, when I think about, and, 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 and those things exist, when you think of a song that, that defines our generation, you and I are the same generation. You think of a song that defines our generation. What, what comes to your mind or an artist? Well, uh, I'll give you an instance, right? Even my own iPad, I've had my own phone, like my Apple, my Apple Music. I I listen to Rascal Flatts and Brett Young. Uh, I got some Tim McGraw in there too. I got some Taylor Swift. I got Evanescence. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I'm just I listen to Motohiro Hata, right? I don't know what that uh, means. Yeah, he's he's a Japanese artist too. I because know. I'm a very cultured guy. Yeah. I've been around the world. Yeah. I traveled the world, building strong leadership teams, selling steel. Uh, I was I was successful in business too. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is no one would ever ask me that question or assume that. They would just assume I listen to rap <laughs> or R&B, right? Um, I actually grew up in my house, uh, my dad being a pastor, my mom uh, being also very well-cultured, and she enjoyed jazz music. And so I was a jazz connoisseur. I loved everything from Spiral Gyra to Dave Koz to... Uh, um, George Sanborn. I mean, you know, talking about, I, I just love so many different types of music. And for me, when I meet someone, you, for instance, I never assume anything about you. So you didn't I think Metallica? I'm just curious. Say again? You didn't think Metallica, that one where your head went? I, I don't listen to Metallica. I, I just, not that I don't like Metallica. I just I didn't know if you thought that's kind of where I was. I wasn't sure. If that no, was. no, I don't assume anything. You know why? Because then I've labeled you. And that's arrogant on my part to think that I can just label and know you. Yeah. It goes back to the question you, you heard someone ask me while in your presence, right? They said, Stephen, what do I call you? Oh, please. I wasn't going to bring that up, man, because it made me mad. I, I mean, they kept saying, no, you, you hear my question. What do I call you? And it, I said, it, it, let me just say that the question was, should I call you black, African-American? Should I call you even one that I won't even bring up that was very derogatory? Um, uh, you know, and, and your response, you remember what your response was? Yep. What'd you say? I said, just call me Steven. <laughs> yeah, duh, right? Because, and I mean, I'm not at all pushing down or, or, or waving off the fact that I am a black man in America. I am not waving off the fact that I stand on the shoulders of those who came before me, those who gave their lives through the civil rights movement, who pressed, who pressed and moved and even went through heinous activities that were legal at the time, that were justified by those who are still in power today and have systems where it's just less overt, yet many times still displayed. Mm-hmm. And the question was, what do I call you? And the reason why that angered me was because it speaks to the problem in the mass culture today. 
is you're so fixated on labeling a group of people and not even thinking of listening to an individual. Yeah. And that, that, that was, um, man, that, 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 I, I'll never get past that, that day that you and I were in that meeting. And, and it just, it still just blows my mind that that question was presented. I mean, the, the meeting, the meeting was, was, was kind of on the same thing that you and I are talking about right now, which was how, to, how does the white church engage in, in the African American community? And, and that, that, and I just thought, wow, like this is the worst picture of, of, of the white church that we could ever have that I'm looking at, at this guy that, that walks in here with a, with a, a resume half as long as my arm. And, and, and the, the, the big question as if it was the big question weighing on this guy's mind was, Hey, what do I call you black man? I was thinking, <laughs> really? Well, I mean, again, um, it just speaks to the condition of the culture today. And, and yes, to answer your question directly, we are supposed to embrace each other's culture, but we can't ever get to that step if we don't embrace the person first. And, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. And, and we've got to bring this to a close, but just it's, it's okay for me to recognize uh, you're, you're, you're first of all a man and an image bearer of God, my brother in Christ and my friend. But at the same time, it's, it's okay, I, I think, and helpful for me to appreciate that you come from a different culture than I do, right? Absolutely. Like, I don't necessarily, it's wrong for me, and, and this is kind of where you keep going, it's wrong for me to assume that I know what your cultural experiences are based mm -hmm. on the color of your skin, okay? But right. it's not wrong for me to say you're black, and as a result of you being black, you've had a different experience of life and different cultural experiences, and I can appreciate those because this is this is who you are. Um, just don't I, assume, right? Like, don't assume that you know anything about it until you've lived in it. And if you haven't lived in it, don't tell me what I should and should not feel about it. Good word. And at the same time, hey, just to just to push back with some hard things, um, I can't tell you how, how 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 you should feel about it. And 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 I would I would just ask that you don't tell me how I actually perceive of you, right? That's true too. Yeah. Because only the only way I can ever know how you see it is about what you do. Because mm -hmm. yeah. silence is consent. Yeah. Right. Hmm. It's a good word. Brother, I appreciate it. Uh, you and I um, tend to, to get long-winded in these things. Um, so uh, I, I appreciate you giving me the time. And uh, I appreciate uh, what you do. as a, a, a Because... For for me, I appreciate you. You're kind of you're 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 an African American man living in Southern Baptist life, which means in some ways you're you're an African American man that's living in a world that that is dominated by uh, white folks, and and yet you you're still willing to to toe that line and and to um and and to, to step into some s situations that I wish you didn't have to be in because I'm sure you get tired of having to have this conversation all the time, right? Me and you. You probably prefer me and you just sat down and talked about something other than this, but it seems like it's always a hot button issue. And I just appreciate you being willing to uh, do it and, and not just to get frustrated and, and tired of constantly having to say the same things over and over again. Well, I'm thankful for you taking the time to do this and um, Lord willing, if we get the opportunity again, um, I'll be ready. All right, brother. Well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and, and cut this off. And for those of you that have been listening, I appreciate it. Again, this has been Stephen Splon. And uh, Stephen, thank you so much. You too, brother. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. 
I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.